All right, everyone, welcome to the Rosk Podcast, episode 15, two for me and none for you. So the insights I want you to pay attention to for this episode are, think about the fact that peer pressure plays a significant role in how we choose to step in the world, even as adults. And then I want you to think about the next time you wanna choose a specific path or a particular choice and something within you or around you influences the decision that you make. And remember in that instance that when you choose the better path, uh, that your co-leaders in this community are behind you making that same choice and see how that influences your decision compared to the peer pressure within or around you. Now, before we get into the rest of the episode, I do want to remind you about our website and weekly newsletter. The website, www.rosk.life, R-O-S-C.life, is where all of our complimentary blog posts are located. These blog posts coincide with the podcasts and are the same topic, but not word for word the exact same thing. So you have the ability to enjoy the written version there and have the audio version here. The other thing with the website is the newsletter that you can sign up for. It's a once a week, non-obtrusive, free, concise newsletter that takes the three main insights, the most important points of each week's blog post and podcast, and brings it directly to you so that in the event that you don't have the opportunity to delve into the nitty gritty like we are here, or on the blog posts, you can use the things that you can put into action immediately to actually see the change that you want to see around you and within you. The other benefit of being part of the newsletter is that you're going to be made aware first and foremost before anybody else of whatever projects are coming out in the future. Now the most upcoming pod, now the most upcoming project is our cardiac arrest management app, which hopefully soon will be in beta form and you will have the opportunity to give feedback, to test it out, and to be one of the first to actually use it. This is going to potentially be a big deal. The newsletter is all about being free, unobtrusive, and useful. Those are the most important things. And we hope throughout the life of this project to keep this content completely free for everybody to be able to benefit from and grow with. Anyway, onto the podcast. Seth Godin has a famous daily blog that he posts on. He's been posting on for years and years now. And one of the posts that he mentions is called the Provincetown Helmet Insight, where he talks about having visited uh, Provincetown, Massachusetts, and he was going to rent a bicycle. And what he did was he observed the people coming in in pairs going to rent bicycles. One of the things that the person behind the desk would always ask is, do you want to rent a helmet? They're a dollar each. And he noticed that either both of them rented a helmet or neither of them rented a helmet. The interesting insight that he got from this was the fact that the helmet would be offered and one would look to the other, one of them would make a decision and both of them would be relegated to that decision. It's almost a form of peer pressure because when one person starts to say, no, we don't really want the helmet. The other one's not going to say, yeah, I want it or kind of feel, make the other person feel bad for not getting it. The other thing that Seth goes on to mention from a marketing perspective, because he is a master marketer, he mentions the fact that if the person behind the desk worded it differently, rather than saying, do you guys want helmets? They're a dollar each. If instead he or she were to say something like, do you want to also rent a helmet with this bicycle? Everyone usually rents one or something to that effect where you're changing the influence of the words rather than just 
putting out the choice. He suspects that more helmets would be rented and more people would be safe. Now, again, this is spoken about from a marketing standpoint, from an influence standpoint, but the influence portion of it, because we all deal with marketing every day of our lives, is very interesting to me because I feel like each and every one of us has felt something like this, even if we don't actually pay attention to the feeling itself. Now, how many times have you been in a situation at work where people are commiserating about something, going into their usual complaint loop, or if you've ever been in a situation where without even having a moment to reflect on something that's been said to you, the immediate response is something negative or something cynical or something jaded. Now, how many times have you been in a situation at work or otherwise where something is presented to you and the first thought is cynical or commiserating or jaded or the first reaction is to poke fun at a staff member or even a patient, which we all know happens all the time. How many times have you felt in yourself the desire to take the higher path or say something better or say, we're better than that, or that's not the right thing to say, or you just feel some level of suppression for being the more optimistic one, for being the one to take the better path because you're afraid that you might be considered a party pooper or you'll stand out because you're trying to be idealistic or whatever it is. How many times have you felt that feeling? And a more interesting question that I ask myself is, when is the last time I actually paused to even feel that hesitation to do the right thing? Because it happens so many times that we almost skip that pause where we reflect and then go with the peer pressure. It's almost out of habit that we just go along with it and say, well, that's just the way it is. I would even go as far as to say that some of us in the world of healthcare have made the excuse of saying, well, that's how we keep a sane mind in such a stressful environment. I mean, is that really true? Or is that just the narrative that we've given ourselves? The silly thing about this is that it has an even greater impact or it's sort of more ingrained in the culture as there is a level of seniority. So you move up the ladder and it's almost as if you wait for your turn to be the one to make those comments and watch everyone around you laugh and, you know, join in with you. And if you, as the junior, earn the disapproval of the person above you and you earn their huffing and puffing and you earn their eye rolling or whatever, you're the one who's wrong, period. I mean, that all sounds very high school. And it is. That's exactly how it works in high school. And the sad truth is most of us in the world haven't really gone past high school. And in this case, I think the high school analogy plays even more because we as healthcare workers spend so much of our waking lives in the hospital, in this building together, that it sort of is kind of like high school all over again. And what makes that so difficult to deal with is because when you do want to break that pattern, you're seen as weak or too happy-go-lucky or too idealistic or too optimistic or you find yourself falling into that group of people where others look at you cynically or others look at you as a party pooper like I said before they look at you as someone who's spoiling the fun mostly because everybody else is doing it and what's really happening is you're making the other or others feel awkward about what they're saying but we're so used to the banter and the gossip around us being that negative talk that 
it's easy for us to be able to point at that person who's standing out and say they're the outlier. And I think we all recognize this feeling because we all fall into it. Now, what does all this have to do with talking about leadership and mindset improvement in the world of healthcare? The reason why this has an impact is because of two things. One, something we've mentioned before, your mind is constantly eavesdropping on the words you say, every single word you say. And the second is that because you spend so much of your time in this environment and because while you're at work, there's always this level of stress that exists. You're always on your toes and trying to always pay attention. I think your brain ends up being impacted and imprinted more with everything that's going on around you. And you spend so much time there that becomes more of your life than your own personal life. And each and every one of these aspects, even when it's downtime, when you're going to eat lunch or when you're in the middle of a really critical patient, all of these things come together to paint the picture of your culture at work. It all has an effect on the way you behave and the way you think and the way you speak, which then has an effect on the way you think. And this is where the idea of ownership comes back in and ends up being the solution to the problem. Because what we actually do is we justify our joking and our cynicism and our jadedness and our frustrations because we offload any of the responsibility. And that's not to say that there aren't two sides to every issue, that it's not a two-way street. Almost nothing is exclusively one party's fault ever. However, there's only ever one side that any one person can control. And it might suck to think all the time that everything's your fault, or it might suck to constantly point the finger at yourself, but it's also the most empowering thing because you're in control. And when you start to recognize the things that you are contributing to the environment, to the scenario, to the climate of the room, you become like nothing can stop you at that point because no one can tell you if, if every single thing you look at from the perspective of, well, how did I contribute or how is that my fault? No one can tell you that you can't fix something. Now, sometimes the answer to fixing things isn't what you want, mostly because it ends up falling on you and you have to swallow your pride and bury your ego and take the higher ground. But with enough implementation and with enough of an understanding that it's not about being a transaction, it's not about getting back something for giving, when you start to understand that and when you start to implement that time and time and time again and you understand that we're laying down the path, you're laying down a pathway for yourself that's going to take time and needs to be imprinted because you need to break old habits, when you understand all of that and then begin to implement with a specific goal in mind, that's when things start to sink in a lot more and where the longevity and the resilience and the fortitude and the persistence come in. And when enough people individually have that same resilience, that same understanding, that same general common goal, even though the specifics of why you're driven to do it might be different, then you start to see those ripples turn into waves. Now, what am I trying to say with all of this in the realm of healthcare? This is getting a bit abstract, so let's rein it in a little bit. When talking about things like the Provincetown Helmet Insight, or when talking about 
the peer pressure that exists around being cynical or making certain jokes or having this culture that exists within the hierarchy and being afraid to be the quote party pooper or the, you know, goody two shoes or whatever you want to call it. Recognizing that problem and understanding that when you're on a path that's not transactional and that you have a specific goal in mind and you understand that what's being put out there is being eavesdropped on by your mind and the mind of everyone else, that will give you a little bit of the impetus to go against your own grain and the grain of others to put out there the better option. How can this be better? How can I, in this moment, make this room less chaotic? What can I do to control some of this chaos? And then you start to have ideas. The second part of that, especially when it deals with the peer pressure stuff, has to do with this community and within this community understanding that the purpose of having a community, even if you're not physically near each other, is knowing that in that moment when you feel alone, you're not actually alone because someone else halfway across the world is doing the same thing and feeling the same thing and making the same impact without the desire to be transactional without the desire to get something in return. Because when you start to worry about getting something in return, your fortitude and your resilience and your persistence are much more finite. And so going back to the Provincetown Helmet Insight, using the right approach, presenting things, marketing things in a specific way that can grab the attention of the person you're trying to reach who might be cynical or jaded or stuck in some lemming type culture where you just follow along with the hierarchy being able to present it in a way that's palatable to them but also gives them the opportunity to make the better choice that's when you'll start to plant the seed for change and that's a lot to do with the social setting and the interpersonal setting but as we mentioned before all of that plays into what happens in a clinical setting you don't rise to any occasion, you fall to the level of your training and you're falling with the team that's around you. How you communicate with them in times of ease will dictate how you communicate with them and how you function with them in times of difficulty. And if your mind is constantly in the setting of poking fun at something or being jaded or being cynical, that's all you're gonna see in a chaotic situation. And when you're in a chaotic situation, there is plenty of negative to look at. And the patient is the first to suffer, but not the only one to suffer because then you're just imprinting in your mind for the next time a critical situation pops up for everything to just be a disaster. And then because your mind wants to be efficient, you're not even going to pause to think about it. You're just going to say, here comes another disaster. And I'm sure that sounds familiar. So this is a difficult one to, to digest because aside from the aspect of having the community, it's very difficult to go against the grain and to push away from peer pressure. If it was easy, we wouldn't have the issue. It wouldn't persist beyond high school, but it does. Because at the end of the day, we're all human beings and we all want to be accepted by the environment around us. And when you spend a majority of your time in that environment, number one, the culture will always take you. You won't take the culture most of the time. And secondly, you want to be accepted by the people around you. So the last thing you want to do is alienate yourself. Then when you add in the aspect of having a community, you're not really alienated. You're actually just part of a different tribe. And that's not saying to separate yourselves, but it's saying that you have a better option for people to be able to make their own choices. I hope that makes sense. 
We'll see you next time.